Good morning. How's everybody doing out there today? Uh, guys, I am very excited about this series that we've started. Um, Alan and I began looking at this topic, the truth behind lies or the truth about lies, uh, a few weeks back, several weeks back, I guess now. And uh, I'm not sure, did you find the original video? Of course. Uh, he, he referred a video to me. In fact, if you want to YouTube it, The Truth About Lies, uh, a gentleman out in Portland by the name of John Mark Connor. They actually have 11 or 12 or 50 parts to theirs. Um, it goes on. The first two in particular are uh, very fascinating, and that's kind of what Alan presented over the last few weeks. But if you want to dig a little deeper on it and, and see what, what got us started on it, uh, you can YouTube that yourself and look at it. But it just really struck a chord with both of us that this really gets down to the heart of the matter. That the battle that we are in, the Bible describes us as followers of Jesus. If you've claimed Jesus as your Savior and as your King, that you are in a battle, that you are in a war. The Bible's very plain about that. Uh, and... Th- this concept is what we're looking at boils it down to it's really a war over ideas. And the enemy, uh, who's commonly referred to as the devil or the Satan, which by the way, in case you didn't know, that's, that's not a formal name, that's a description. Uh, more of a job description. And I think Alan mentioned it last week or the week before that it's, some, some Bible scholars believe it's kind of a, uh, underhanded dig that they won't even give this spiritual being that fills this role, a name. That they just describe him as the accuser, as the tempter. And, um, but anyway, his, this spiritual being, his, his, his main method of, of waging war with us is a war of ideas. And, uh, I believe they put it correctly the way that Alan talked about it and they talked about it in the lesson. He says, deceitful ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. And that's a mindful right there. None of those words are really big, but when you put them all together, they, they take some thought. What is that saying? What does that, what does that mean? How does that, how does that play out? And, uh, it is just the truth of the matter. I mean, when, you know, I thought Alan did a very good job. Like I said, if you want to want to go back and revisit it, what we what originally uh, inspired us or motivated us to look at this, I encourage you to go to the YouTube video where uh, John Mark Comer does a fabulous job as well. Um, but showing that the devil's main strategy is to deceive us with 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 truth, with half truths, and get us to accept something as reality which is not which is not true, and. We are in, we have to live out our faith. We, we fight this battle. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. We don't fight it with guns and knives. We fight it in an arena that the, that the Bible calls the world. And we know that. I mean, we use that term. But if you look at, and that's what this is talking about, is normalized in a sinful society. What the Bible calls the world we can just as easily call a sinful society. And guys, you can see these deceitful ideas of our disordered desires and how they play, how they become normalized in a sinful society. I've watched this growing up. 
I mean, when I was a child growing up, when I was in junior high, we didn't have middle school back then, and then in high school, now, what I thought was normal, now it may have been just that I led a sheltered life or I was naive, but back then, I at least felt like uh, normally people, kids my age, had to wrestle with, do I really want to have sex before marriage? Now, I'd been taught you were not supposed to have sex before marriage. And, you know, I, I don't remember a specific conversation, but I want to say, if, I remember one conversation I had with a friend of mine specifically about this. And it was kind of on the table. Uh, it was just kind of normal to think the kids were there. At least from my perspective, it was. I believe that's all changed. I believe I've watched what we refer to as sexual immorality. What God refers to as, as sinful. And what I grew up, at least me, thinking was, was what people strove for has become normalized. To where now, you're weird in, in this, in the world, in society, if you say, I'm not gonna have sex till I'm married. I'm not gonna be sexually active until I'm married. It's become normalized. We've watched that transform and we're, we're watching it continual in the sexual, in the sexual arena or sexual desires arena. First, you know, with, with homosexuality. I can remember when the, the, the soap, uh, the TV show Soap came out. Y'all remember that? Okay. And what was groundbreaking about the TV show Soap was that they had a gay character on it. Openly gay character on it. And the normalization of homosexual uh, lifestyle began. And you can see where today it is normalized. And it was a, it was an uproar when it came out. And now you can see that progressing to gay marriage and now transgender and LGBTQ whatever rights. And they are, they are very clearly, we see things going from this is wrong or at least questionable to hey, this is normal and we should all accept it. And that's just one area where you can watch that go on. I remember uh, when I grew up, I did not believe my parents would ever get divorced. That was what not many people did. And you did not desire that. You know, I remember one preacher that we had uh, in the area that we all went to a men's retreat for several back in the 90s. Man, you're getting old when you start... Using terms like that. But he, uh, he was talking about, he can remember distinctively the day he was probably 10 to 15 years older than I am and he was playing basketball with his friend and he goes, Hey, how come your dad's never not around? And he said, Well, they're divorced. And he said, What's that? You know, guys, it's, it's because divorce is a normal situation. Okay. Uh, we used to have a term. We don't use it anymore unless it's just being mean. But, uh, you know, illegitimate children. And we know the word for that. I won't say it. Don't want to cause an uproar. Uh, but that term's not used anymore anymore. Why? Why? Because children being born outside of a man and a woman being married is normalized. Is normalized. And so guys, I only bring all that up to say, the world changes. The world normalizes things. 
And I would have, if you would have asked me when I was in my early 20s, hey, do you think, and you spelled it, that people living together without being married would become the norm? I thought, I, I remember thinking that will never happen. I was wrong. I was wrong. And you see, guys, the more we want to hold to the teachings of Jesus, that we want to truly follow Jesus, the more normal, I mean, I say, the less normal we will be compared to the world. And so, guys, that's where these ply out. And, and let's be honest, these things that have become normalized in the world are becoming more and more accepted within Christian circles, within Christianity, within churches. And that's so much wider than what I just even brought up. Okay? Um, but, it, but, it, but you can see how it plays out. And so guys, this is, there's a clear contrast. And so, we need to, to look at this. Now today we're going to be talking about... Uh, the first lie that I believe is, I believe almost every other lie comes under this, under this category. And to introduce this lie to you, I, I asked a good friend of mine to, to do it for you. His name's Toby Keith. And we'll, we'll just let him illustrate it for you. This is the store that I was telling you about. Remember last September I wore those silver shoes? Well, Cindy told Lisa, they told me that they have the scarf here that would go perfect with those shoes. Oh, man. But there's the scarf right over there. Let's go over there and look over there. About your church and your head when it hurts. We talk about the troubles you've been having with your brother, about your daddy and your mother and your crazy ex-lover. We talk about your friends and the places that you've been. We talk about your skin and the dimples on your chin, the polish on your toes and the run in your holes, and God knows we're gonna talk about your clothes. You know talking about you makes me smile. But every once in a while, I wanna talk about me, wanna talk about I, wanna talk about number one. Oh my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 you believe. But occasionally, I wanna talk about me. I wanna talk about me. about your dreams and we talk about your schemes, your high school team and your moisturizer cream. We talk about your Nana up in Muncie, Indiana. We talk about your grandma down in Alabama. We talk about your guys of every shape and size, the ones that you despise and the ones you idolize. We talk about your heart, about your brains and your smarts and your medical charts and when you start. You know talking about you makes me grin. But ever now and then, I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one. Oh my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, you, you. 
casually, but occasionally I want to talk about me. 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 I want to talk about I. I want to talk about number one. Oh, my, me, my. What I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 usually. But occasionally, I want to talk about me. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about me. You can probably already see from your notes that the big lie we want to talk about today is it's all about me. And I showed that video, guys, just as a kind of a fun way. Now, don't want to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have a friend, a person at work, who all they want to talk about is themselves? Okay? And that is just the truth of the matter. I'm sorry, ladies. I know that made women the focus of that. Uh, I have plenty of men friends who I feel the exact same way about it. It's just the song wasn't about them. So that's what I used. That's what I went with. Because I, I said for years, you know, my, my advice to somebody on how to start a conversation, kids, teenagers, wherever you're at, you want to know how to have a conversation with somebody that opposite sex, you give them an opportunity to talk about themselves. You let them know you want to hear about them and you, they will, most, most people will unload. If they really feel welcome that you really want to know about them, they are going to open up. And guys, the truth of the matter is, I mean, I thought that song, that, that song in the video illustrated more of the song the video was just for fun, uh, give us something to watch, but really does, I believe, get to the heart of the matter. Okay, one of the things about Christianity that I believe are, are following Jesus when you really look at it is, is it whittles it down to some really simple things, some really simple principles that when they are followed, when they are understood, when they are lived, answers a whole lot of questions. Gives us a whole lot of guidance. And I believe this is one of those. I believe Jesus said it best. We're going to be looking at it, I believe, in a, in a little while later in Luke chapter 9, where He said, if anyone would come after Me, you must what? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Me. And somewhere in there is the word daily. Daily follow Me. Anyway, take up your cross daily. That's right. Depending on your translation. But guys, I believe what Jesus is saying is, guys, it's not all about you. Okay? And unlike the real virus that we need to be concerned about is not COVID-19, it's the virus of self. That's what Jesus is saying. And what He's also saying in that passage is number is two things, okay? You don't have to worry about catching it because you've already got it. 
Okay? That's why He's telling you to deny yourself. That's number one. Number two is, there is no vaccine. And I, I don't know what the term is, but it's going to be chronic. You're not going to get rid of it. Okay, if it's a day before you die and you read that passage, it's going to mean the same thing. You need to deny yourself today and follow Jesus in your thoughts, in your words, in your actions. And it is just the way it is. Guys, I, I thought about this this morning on the way in here. And just how many different passages in the Bible where it just lists self as the virus. It's the root cause. I think when you go back and you look at Genesis 3, as Alan did over the past two weeks, and if you weren't here, I encourage you either to go to YouTube or to the church website and, and listen to it. But in Genesis chapter 3, that's what the devil appealed to with Eve. He said, don't make this about God. Make it about you. And that's what it said. She looked, she saw that it was good and desirable and that it gave you the knowledge of good and evil and she took it and gave some to Adam and he took it. And guys, that is the, tr- the truth of the matter. You go through it, but Jesus said it best as we just looked it about. So first of all, guys, what we want to talk about here today is how can I make it about me? What are some ways that I can, that making it about me can show up? The first one, guys, is in my prayers. In my prayers. In James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, this is what it says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God... When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Guys, the video we just watched, you know, uh, there's different ways to look at that. How many of you, while you're watching the video, was there anybody else that looked at that and thought, and, and saw Toby Keith singing the song and thought, God could say that to me. Could God say that about our prayers? Could God go to prayers and go, you know, I like hearing your problems. You know, you're supposed to bring me your problems. You're supposed to ask me for stuff, but you know, maybe let's, maybe you want to talk about me. Maybe you want to hear about me. Maybe you want to ask me for how I think about your problem instead of just asking me to fix your problem. Maybe you want to ask me how you can represent me at work instead of how you can be more comfortable at work. You see, guys, that can go on and on and on. Because I, I, I found this. I'm guilty, guys. When I look at these, I'm guilty. How many of you, you know, when you, when you characterize prayers or other people's prayers or when you're in a group, it's mainly two things. I know this is an overgeneralization. I hope it doesn't apply, but it might. Is There's two things that characterize the prayers. One, give me. Okay? Two is, help me. Okay? And what is the focus of both of those? 
me. I mean, even if, even if I'm praying for Alan, I'm praying for Alan so he'll be less annoying for me. You know what I'm saying? You know, why do I want my wife to be more like Jesus? Because I have to live with her every day. Why should she want me to be more like Jesus? Because I can be pretty annoying. And you see, guys, that's, that's just one of the ways it shows up. And so as we, as we look at these things, uh, I'm not accusing anybody, but I'm asking you to look. Another way, another way, second way, excuse me, is, is how I manage my resources. Now, I, I could have said money there, but I believe it goes way, way beyond money. Okay? This is just the one thing that, that, that Jesus said here. Here in Matthew chapter 6, this is what it says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, key words there. Okay, is that telling us not to save money? Anybody see that? I've heard of people long ago who spent every penny they got based off this verse. Where it says, do not store up. It's not saying that. What is it saying? Do not store up for yourself. That's the issue with what we do with our resources is why we have them and what we're trying to do with them. That's it. Personally, I think especially in the society we live in, I think that saving money is a very good thing. Whether it's for unexpected costs, or it's for, I'm 58 years old, I'm getting very close to what they call retirement. That is a very good thing to do. I think the Bible even says if you're young and you're not close to retirement and you're very financially secure and you have money, that it is a good thing to invest that money to make more money. I believe that. That is a godly... God holds that up as a characteristic that He he considers good and faithful. But there's a key problem with why are you doing it? That's what's getting down to is motive. You see, because Jesus told a story in Matthew 25 where he describes good and faithful servants as using the resources for their master's desires. And it's a matter of, 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 of who you're doing it for, why you're doing it. Third thing that we can, uh, make it about about me is my response slash reaction when offended was that what was that <laughs> somebody's agreeing with me in the back i think that was andy uh proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9 Got this in two different translations for you. One in the NASB, it says, one who conceals an offense seeks love, but one who repeats a matter separates close friends. You know, what's one some translations say, he who overlooks an offense. What does that mean? That means somebody's done something to offend you, 
And you know how to make the matter go away? Overlook it and never repeat it. That's what it's saying. If you, if you look to the, uh, the message paraphrase, this is what it says. Overlook an offense and bond a friendship. Fasten on to a slight and goodbye friend. Guys, how much drama goes away in your life if you can overlook an offense? How much goes away? I, I, I told this story years ago. Uh, I when I bought after we bought our first car wash over in Greenville, and there was a, 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 a guy I did business with. I, I considered him a friend. He managed a body shop, and he couldn't believe I did it. And then uh, afterwards, uh, he's ten or fifteen years older than me, and he was talking to me. He says one day, and he's talking about how it's going, and he says, "Do you ever get a phone call from somebody that says?" They didn't get their money out of the changer. And they're, they're just trying to get money out of it. Oh, I'm sure. And I told him, I said, Oh, I'm sure it happens. He said, What do you do? I said, Ten bucks and I sleep good at night. You know, if I'm, if they're, if they're offending me, if they're taking advantage of me, I got better things to do than to worry about that, than to track them down. And what he was telling me, he goes, That's why I can never own a car wash. Guys, how many times, how many times do we create turmoil in our life? We create problems. And they go ongoing. One of the lies that I believe we're going to be looking at is, I can't forgive that person. How many times do we lose friendships because we are offended? When if we would Grow up, mature. Because I believe overlooking an offense is a sign of the mature. Okay? If we can just, we, we don't have to confront somebody. We don't have to work it out and have a powwow. We can merely go, yeah, that's where they're at. I want to overlook it. You see guys, but if we're offended, especially if we have something that just eats at us for a period of time, We're making it about me. We're making it about ourselves. The next one of how I can make it about me is when I dream and I'm playing. Anybody have any dreams? Anybody have any opportunities? Guys, we are, this passage we're going to look at right now just, just applies as a business owner, it applies. But let's look at it and then we'll talk about it, okay? It says James chapter, it's James chapter 4 verses 13 through 16. Now listen, you say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Guys, as a business owner, you're constantly thinking, okay? You're constantly planning. You know what your pension plan is and who manages it? You are. 
You manage it. You're trying to invest your money in the right way, normally in your business to create a bigger return so you can have that financial security of a pension, so to speak. I'm comparing it to a pension. That's not what it really is, believe me. Um, but it's a good analogy. And you're constantly looking for things. But there's other factors that come into that. I've illustrated this, or I've confessed this year, for years now, that what drove me in my early years of being in business is I wanted to prove I was more than a poor white kid from Alton. I was out to prove I was more than just some blue-collar worker scratching out a living. And I wanted to be somebody. And that's, that's what it was. And how did you prove, how could I prove that I was somebody? By making a lot of money, but also being successful. That people could look and go, you are successful at what you've done. And guys, that's my motive. Right now, I've never had more opportunity in business than I have in the last 30 years. We've been very fortunate. That's another long story. But there are opportunities knocking at the door regularly for, for, for what we can do with our business. And I am constantly having to decide what this verse tells me to do. Do I want what I want? Because because I think I've I think I've achieved a level of uh, success that people can look at. Maybe I want more. You know, maybe I want more. I mean, there is these car washes, the the two like we have in Godfrey and Cottage Hills. They are growing like you would not believe, and there is what they call private equity money. Big money pouring into these, trying to buy them out. We got a phone. I mean, I know people who have built up five to seven of these and they sell them for a huge amount of money and then they go and build some more. And guess what they're going to do with those when they build them? They're going to sell them for more money. And there's opportunity there and there's other opportunities. Guys, I have to decide. What is this about? Is this about me? Is this about me being successful? Is this about me creating a legacy? Or is this about me representing Jesus? And this is one area that I have to decide if and how I'm going to represent Him with. Guys, and that can go with everything. I've shared this many times, or a few times. I was asked the question, great question by the way, uh, Dave Bateman, y'all know Dave and Ulrika, and, uh, Dave was talking to me, and this was a year or two back, and he's, you know, he, he's a few years behind me in age, him and Ulrika are looking ahead to, to retirement, and he says, what do you think about this? You think this is basically, would this be okay as a follower of Jesus to do what, what he, what he, what he's thinking about? And I just, God gave me a good answer for once. <laughs> I said, I can't answer that. That's your question. That's, that's your question that you have to be able to answer. And, but I went on to say, guys, I said, how you answer it, if, if that represents, if your plan is about doing the Lord's will, then that's great. And I don't know if I can necessarily be the one to answer. I can help you maybe, but I can't do it. But here's the thing. I said, you want to know the answer to that question. You make sure you're living your life to represent Jesus now with the resources that you have right now. 
And so guys, as you look to the future, as you look at your plans, uh, guys, that's a question. What's at the heart of your plans? Me? Me? Well, you see, Gary, Gary, you know, takes a lot of money to retire. Yeah, it does. And you see, uh, Jesus has told me not to worry. That is correct. He has. So, Social Security ain't going to be enough. So if I don't, and you fill in the blank, take a second job, get an education, get more education, do something to make more money, invest more money, give more attention to this, I'll be tempted to worry when I'm retired. And you see, I don't, I don't want, and you see guys, we can even make honoring the words of Jesus our excuse to focus on ourselves. See, because if I build up a lot of money, I won't be tempted to worry about finances, will I? I'm supposed to not worry whether I have finances or not. And so guys, look at your plans. Your plans will reveal that. Um, the last one that I have here is what I teach my children. Guys, if there's a topic that I can talk all day or at least an hour or two on, it's what I wish I would have done differently with while I was a parent, while my children were still growing up. I've confessed it before. I continue to acknowledge that. And anybody that wants to have a conversation with it, I would love to have that conversation. I'll tell you, the, I feel like I did a few things good, well, and I missed the boat on a lot of them. And one of them is this right here, is what I taught my children. Look at this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where God gives instructions to the Israelites about their children. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Guys, I taught my children, but not near enough. And what is your focus with your children? Okay? And then let's just get real for a minute, okay? Do you focus more on their education than you do on them having an understanding of Jesus? Do you focus more on their sports? Guys, this applies to grandparents, aunts and uncles, okay, and all of us fictive kin. Okay, you don't. Most of you may not know that word, fictive kin. Is anybody familiar with that term? Okay, it's used within the 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 uh, foster community, foster child community, family services community. Fictive kin is somebody who's not related, but who is like kin. Okay, so it's like literally, if if, if a child needs to be taken from the home, they prefer that it stay with family. And if there is a friend who is a close like family, they are considered fictive kin and they can go there without being licensed as foster parents. Okay? 
Spiritually speaking, as members of one the same church, we should be fictive kin to each other. Okay, so when I'm talking to parents, I'm talking to every one of us here. Because every one of us is like an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. And so when I talk about, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I ask kids, guys, I'm guilty here. If I'm talking to a high school, what do you, I'm more likely to ask the question about how school's going, where they going to college, what they wanting to do after high school, than I am to say, how's your faith? And so guys, that's what, just look at your focus with, with young people, period. Guys, I don't want to limit that to parents. I think parents should look at this very seriously. And guys, right off the bat, it's, it prefaces this with love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And these, are, these commands I give you today are be on your, on your hearts. You see guys, we can't teach children to follow Jesus if we're not following Jesus. Number one rule in being a parent and teaching your children is you follow Jesus. I can't tell you how many nights I lay down with my children. It's just talking about when you lay down and I would lay down with my kids as they go to sleep and they're in grade school and this is back when my battle with depression was raging and I knew I should be talking to them and all I wanted to do was to get them to sleep so I could go to sleep. Okay, and guys, let's just being honest with you, my relationship with God wasn't where it should have been. My focus, my depression was I made it all about me. And it showed up in my parenting. There we go. Let's go on. Those are different ways they all, that it shows up. But guys, well then, then how can I make my life about Jesus? How can I make my life about Jesus? Uh, one, first thing I do is I need to admit my selfishness. I mentioned this earlier that that's what everything boils down to. And um, we, we, you just need to admit. Look at this passage here in James chapter 3. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But... If you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Guys, what's he saying? If you have selfish ambition in your heart, don't deny it. And I guess I believe with all my heart, every one of us can turn to the other and in all good conscience say, I'm selfish somewhere. I am selfish in some area of my life. I struggle with self. And guys, the first step is to admit that. Number one is you ain't no different than nobody else. When you say that, the difference may be that you're admitting it. 
Hey, you really want to stand out? Let's do that. And, uh, and, and guys, it's one of the ways you do it. I wish I could remember the situation or something this week. And we were, I forget even who I was talking to. And I, I made some statement and then I had to back up. I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. My ungodly self wants this. And it had to do with some other person or, you know, wishing something would happen. I don't remember what it was, but I was acknowledging that I was making a judgment or that I was interpreting something or I was wanting something desire and it was based entirely upon something that I just don't believe I can say is from the Spirit of God. I believe it's ungodly. And so guys, that's the very first, first thing to do. And what I just said, I, I believe that confession should be a regular part of your life. When you acknowledge it, it's nothing wrong with going, you know, wanting revenge and saying, yeah, I want to see them get what they want. Acknowledge that that ain't right. Acknowledge that God has said it's His to avenge. And then I should pray for that person. That's what Jesus said. And so you make confession part of it. And you need to do it two ways. You need to admit it generically and specifically. See, we like it's okay to do it generically. Well, everybody's a sinner. Everybody sins. Well, everybody's selfish. Okay, I am too, but everybody is. Everybody is. You see, guys, you really want to start defeating and battling the lie of it's all about me. You start recognizing it and confessing it. There's a proverb, I think it's... uh, I want to say it's in chapter 28 of Proverbs. I believe it's verse 13, maybe 11, where it says, He who confesses and renounces his sin finds mercy. See, because sometimes what we want to do is say, yeah, this is what I think, and I'm entitled to it. I'm right. And what we need to be saying is, this is what I think, and I know it's not from God. I know this is, this makes it about me. Second thing, guys, after we to defeat the lie of, of, of it's all about me, is after we admit my selfishness, we need to commit to following Jesus. Commit to following Jesus. Now, most of us in this room are followers of Jesus, have confessed Jesus, have submitted to Him in baptism, have declared Him the Lord of our life. And we are living a life to some degree. So some of you may be thinking, well, Gary's doing this because of visitors in the room that may not have made a commitment to follow Jesus. Yes, if you've not made a commitment to follow Jesus, I encourage you to do that. And we'd love to talk to you about about how you go about doing that. But guys, this is not something that's just for non-believers. I go back to this passage. I've already read it before, but let's read it again. in Luke chapter 9. Verses 23 through 26. It says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Forever, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
Whoever is ashamed of Me in My words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Guys, I emphasize again what I said earlier in the lesson about this passage. The word daily. Why does Jesus use that word? Is He saying, oh, there needs to be somebody new following Jesus every day? Or is He saying that I have to make a conscious choice every day of my life to deal with the virus of self and choose to follow Jesus? Guys, I can tell you right now, I can stand in good conscience to tell you that I follow Jesus more closely now than I ever have. And I can tell you that I am more aware of where myself gets in the way and where I have to continually grow at pushing myself out of the way, at denying myself. Because it just never ends. And so I have to, you know, maybe I should have put recommit to following Jesus there. And the last thing, guys, that I want to put there, uh, get rid, how I deal with the lie of it's all about me, is to persevere and mature at following Jesus. You know, guys, I mentioned earlier when I was talking about overlooking an offense, that it takes a level of maturity. And it's amazing, guys, what you can overlook after you've overlooked and overlooked and overlooked. And I'm not talking about with the same person, but you learn, look, that just ain't important. And maturity is what it's all about. Look at these passages. The first one's in Luke chapter 8 and verse 15. It says, but as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who having heard with an honest and good heart, hold firmly onto the Word and bear fruit through patient endurance. The Bible talks, Jesus talked about us bearing fruit. And in this passage, this is what He's talking again. It's called the parable of the soils. It's found in several passages. And one of the, I believe this part of this, of this story is overlooked or minimized. We want to bear fruit and we want to go do it today. We want to do it this week. And Jesus says it takes patient endurance. What does that mean? That means that every day you've got to get up and decide you want to follow Jesus. Every day you've got to do it and you've got to continue to it. And it may be, I, I've been in these situations. I've had people relay these situations to me. Um, where they are in circumstances that continually test them. Alright? One of the main way that I hear about this is on the job. Anybody on the job, their fellowship of Jesus being tested? Okay? It's even when you're self-employed, right? You drive a school bus too. <laughs> Man, you, you you just signed up there. You're getting a master's degree in following Jesus there, aren't you? 
That's what I what do I call that? I call that a growth opportunity right there. Guys, and, and, and I'm, I know some of y'all are tired of hearing me say that. Uh, but it is just the truth of the matter, guys. Instead of crying and whining about our circumstances and how we wish they were different, when you're following Jesus, you see them as an opportunity to grow and to mature. And the maturity is what you are after. That is what we're doing. Look at this other passage here, guys, in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-9. through 9. Then we'll close this out. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. You see, guys, another lie that we could probably look about is just how we just get lulled into a complacency. We think we've arrived. We can put our following of Jesus on cruise control. We've achieved enough. We've done enough. And we can just kick back and we can retire at following Jesus, you know. We're still alive, but we've, we've done the hard work. We've put in our time and now it's easy. And guys, that just ain't true. That's why we've got to decide. We've got to realize that self has to continually be, 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 be crucified and we have to move forward towards maturity through persevering. And guys, that's the challenge of it all. So guys, I don't, I don't know where you are. I, I believe with all my heart, you know, one of those things preachers have been, you've heard preachers say in the past where somebody comes up and said, man, you were preaching to me today. You were talking to me today. I would like to tell you, because you are a living, breathing human being, yes, I am speaking to you today. I believe that what we looked at today is that universal. That all of us on some level here are trying to make life more about ourselves and less about Jesus than we're supposed to. Than He would want us to. I believe that with all my heart. I believe I am in that category as I've tried to communicate. I still have to deal with me. I am still dealing with me. The question is, do you recognize the lie and are you fighting against the lie? And there's a song out by Casting Crowns that kind of illustrates this point. And we're going to close with that song here in just a minute. And we're going to do things a little different today. You know, normally I pray, the group comes up, sing a couple songs, they pass the baskets, we're done. Uh, today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to kind of go backwards to pre-COVID days. Remember before COVID when we would break into little groups before the sermon to pray? You remember all that? Shake it this way. Okay. Um, we're going to end the service that way today. So we're going to, we're going to watch the video, sing the song. If you want to sing with it, go ahead. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. And then 
I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I'm going to encourage you guys to either get with somebody next to you, maybe it's your spouse, or at least to sit there by yourself. Maybe you want to gather with your small group. And like the song says, it starts with me. You're going to be hearing this in the song where it's it starts with me. So I'm going to do a little bit different. I'm going to pray now. We'll watch the song. And then we'll let you break into the groups. And then when you're done praying, you're done. You can leave, just leave quietly, leave out into the small dome quietly in case there's other groups still praying. But I'm going to ask you the focus of your prayer to be that it really does start with me. The battle that Jesus wants us to fight is the battle in my life to defeat the lie of it's all about me. So let's pray and then we'll watch the song. Father, I love this lesson. I've loved preparing it. I loved getting ready. Father, I loved the fact that this lesson exposes the devil's plan and strategy so clearly. And Father, you truly do. You don't think make, you don't make things easy, but you make them plain. You make them simple to understand. And Father, the simple lie that is a true virus in every one of us, is that we want to make it about me. Father, I know I do. I'd love to say that I don't. I'd love to say that I've overcome. I'd love to say that I've arrived. And Father, the truth of the matter is, there's some people in this room that can probably tell me where I make it about me. Father, I stand before You as one that says, I don't want it to be about me. And I want this church to be a different place only as much as I stop making it about me and making it more and more and more about Jesus. Father, we thank You that You've given us Your Word to understand this. That You gave Jesus to die on the cross so that we could approach You with confidence. And have the forgiveness of sins. And Father, right now as we watch the song and as we pray, I pray it is everybody's desire to deal with the lie themselves. If it's not about me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want our coffee in the lobby. Watch our worship on the screen We got a rock star preacher Who won't wake us from our dreams We want our blessings in our pocket We keep our missions overseas Before the hurting in our city Or would we even cross the street But we want to see the heart set
turned his nose and puffed his chest. He didn't run off like his brother, but his soul was just as dead. What if the church on Sunday was still the church on Monday too? What if we came down from our towers and walked a mile in someone's shoes? Cause we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel. The walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see the change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. Surrender all our pride and turn from our ways. He will hear from heaven and forgive our sin. He will heal our land, but it starts right here. We're the people who are called by His name. If we'll surrender all our pride and turn from our ways, He will hear from heaven and forgive our sin. He will heal our land. It's gotta stop. 